एवरीवन सो हेयर इज द लास्ट कल बाय नादिया मुराद पार्ट थ्री चैप्टर फोर आई होप यू आर गोइंग टू लाइक इट सो लेट्स गेट स्टार्टेड चैप्टर फोर वी वेटेड ए फ्यू डेज बिफोर नसीर एंड आई मेड द ट्रिप आई वॉज कम्फर्टेबल बींग इन द हाउस बट आई डेस्परेटली वॉन्टेड आउट ऑफ मोसूल आई एस आई एस वॉज एवरीवेयर एंड आई वॉज श्योर दैट दे वर लुकिंग फॉर मी आई कुड इमेजिन हाजी सलमान हिज स्कीनी फ्रेम शेकिंग इन एंगर एंड हिज सॉफ्ट मिनेकिंग वॉइस थ्रिटनिंग मी विद टॉर्चर आई कुड नॉट बी इन द सेम सिटी एज दैट काइंड ऑफ मैन वन मॉर्निंग इन मीनाज हाउस आई वोक अप कवर्ड इन टिनी रेड स्टिंगिंग एंड्स एंड टू किट एज अ साइन I would not feel an ounce of real safety until we passed through the first checkpoint and I knew there was a chance we would not make it at all. A few days after I arrived at Meena's, Nasir's mother and father came to the house early in the morning. It is time to go, he some said. I put on Catherine's pink and brown dress and just before I was to leave, covered it with a black abaya. I will read a prayer, Maha said to me. She said it kindly so I agreed listening as she spoke the words then she gave me a ring you said that Daesh took your mother's ring she said please take this one instead i'm like your mother my bag was packed with all the extra things the family had bought for me as well as as the things i still had from Kochu at the last minute i took out the most beautiful long yellow dress and gave it to Mina kissing her on both cheeks i thanked her for taking me in you will look beautiful in this dress i said handing it to her it belonged to my sister dimal thank you nadia she said inshallah you will make it to kurdistan i could not watch while the family and his wife said goodbye to nasir before we left the house nasir gave me one of the two cell phones he had brought with him if you need anything or if you have a question while we are in the taxi text me he said don't talk okay i threw up when i ride in cars for too long i warned him and he picked up a few plastic grocery bags from the kitchen and handed them to me use this i don't want to have to stop at the checkpoints don't act afraid he continued try to be calm okay i will answer most of the questions if they turn to you answer them briefly and keep your voice low and calm if they believe that you are my wife they won't ask you to talk very much okay nadia i know that i will do my best i said already i felt like i might faint from fear nasir seemed calm he never acted afraid of anything At around 8:30 in the morning we started walking together to the main road there we would hail a taxi to take us to the Mosul garage where another taxi that Nasir had hired in advance was waiting to take us all the way to Kirkuk Nasir stayed a bit ahead of me on the sidewalk and we did not talk I kept my head down trying not to look at the people we passed sure that the fear in my eyes would tell them immediately that I was a Yazidi It was a hot day. Mina's neighbors watered their lawns, trying to revive the dead plants, while their kids raced up and down the streets on brightly colored plastic bicycles. The noise startled me. After being inside so long, the bright streets felt threatening, wide open, and full of danger. All the hope I had tried to gather while waiting at Mina's disappeared. I was sure that ISIS would catch up to us. and that i would go back to being a sabaya it's okay nasir whispered to me as we stood on the sidewalk 
sidewalk of the main road waiting for a taxi to appear he could tell i was frantic cars sped by covering the front of my black abaya with a fine yellow dust i was shaking so much that by the time we got a taxi it was hard for me to maneuver my body inside it every scenario that ran through my head led to our capture i saw our taxi breaking down on the side of the highway and us being picked up by a truck full of militants or i saw us driving unknowingly over an ied and dying there on the road i thought about all the girls i knew from home family and friends who were now scattered across iraq and syria and my brothers who had been taken behind the school in kocho who was i even going home to the mosul garage was crowded with people looking for taxis to take them to other cities in iraq men bartered men bartered with drivers over prices their wives standing silently beside them boys hugged icy bottles of water and vendors along the edges sold silver bags of chips and candy bars or stood proudly next to elaborate towers of cigarettes i wondered if any of the women at the garage were easy like me i hoped they all were and that the men were like nasir helping them yellow taxis marked by small signs of their ropes parked and idled under signs advertising destinations talafar tikrit ramadi all of them were at least partially under islamic state control or threatened by the terrorist so much of my country now belonged to the men who had enslaved and raped me while the taxi driver prepared for our trip he and nasir chatted i sat on a bench slightly away from them trying to act the part of nasir's wife and i could not hear much of what they were saying sweat ran into my eyes making it hard to see and i clutched my bag tightly to my lap the driver was in his late 40s he looked strong even though he was not very big and he wore a small beard i had no idea how he felt about isis but i was scared of everyone while they negotiated negotiated i tried to feel brave but it was hard to think of any outcome in which i was not recaptured finally nasir nodded at me to get into the car he sat beside the driver and i climbed into the seat behind him putting my bag down gently beside me the driver fiddled with the radio as we pulled out of the garage looking for a station but everything was static he sighed and turned it off it was a it is a hot day he said to nasir let's buy some water before, before we started driving nasir noted and a moment later we pulled up beside a kiosk where the driver bought a few bottles of cold water and some crackers nasir handed a bottle to me water dripped down the sides of it pooling on the seat beside me the crackers were too dry to eat i tried one just to appear relaxed and it stuck in my throat like cement why are you going to kirkuk haji the driver asked my wife's family is there nasir replied the driver looked at me in his review mirror when i saw his eyes i turned away pretending to be mesmerized by the city outside my window i was sure that fear in my eyes would give me away 
The street around the garage was full of militants. Islamic state police cars were parked along the sides and officers strolled along the sidewalks guns in their belts. There seemed to be more police than people. Will you stay in Kirkuk or come back to Mosul? The driver asked Nasir. We are not sure yet, Nasir said, just as his father had told him. We will see how long it takes to get there and what it is like in Kirkuk. Why is he asking so many questions? I thought. I was glad that I was not expected to talk. If you like, I can wait and take you back to Mosul, the driver told us, and Nasir smiled at him. Maybe, he said, we will see. The first checkpoint was inside Mosul, a large, spider-like structure made of high columns holding up a metal roof. Once an Iraqi army checkpoint, it was now proudly displaying the Islamic State flag and Islamic State vehicles, also once belonging to the Iraqi army, were parked in front of a small office. They too were covered in black and white flags. Four militants were on duty when we pulled up, working out of small white booths where they could take breaks from the heat and fill out paperwork. ISIS was intent on controlling all the traffic in and out of Mosul. Not only did they make sure that no anti-ISIS fighters or smugglers came into the city, they also wanted to know who left, why and for how long. If they defected, ISIS could punish their families. At the very least, the militants could try to extort money out of them. Only a few cars were in line ahead of us and we quickly approached one of the carts. I started shaking uncontrollably and felt tears came out of my eyes. The more I willed myself to be calm, the more I shook and I thought for sure it would give me away. Maybe I should run, I thought, and as we slowed down, I put one of my hands on the door handle, preparing to jump out of the car if I needed to. Of course, it was not really an option. There was now here for me to go. On one side of the car, the hot plain stretched into now here, and on the other side and behind us was the city. I was so desperate to flee. Militants watched every inch of Mosul, and they would have no trouble catching up with the Sabaya escaping on foot. I prayed to God not to be captured. Sensing I was scared and without being able to talk to me, Nasir glanced at me in the side mirror. He smiled just for an instant to, ca- to calm me down, the way Carrie or my mother would have back in Kocho. Nothing could have stopped my heart from racing, but at least I was no longer imagining myself jumping from the car. We stopped beside one of the guards' booths and I watched as the door opened and a militant in full Islamic State uniform stepped out. He looked like the guys who had come to the Islamic State Center to buy us and I started shaking again in fear. The driver rolled down his window and the militant leaned down. He looked at the driver, then over at Nasir and then he glanced at me and the bag next to me. Salam alaikum, he said. Where are you going? Kirkuk Haji, Nasir said and passed our IDs through the window. My wife is from Kirkuk. His voice did not waver. The militant took the IDs through the open door to the guard booth. I saw a chair and a small desk with a few papers and the militant's radio sitting on top of it. A small fan veered softly on the corner of the desk and a nearly empty bottle of water tattered close to the edge. Then I saw it, hanging on the wall with three others, 
was the photo that had been taken of me in the Mosul courthouse the day Haji Salman forced me to convert. Below it, there was some writing. I was too far away to read what it said, but I guessed it listed my information and what to do if I was caught. I gasped softly and quickly scanned the other three photos. Two of them I could not see because of the sun's glare and the other was of a girl I did not recognize. She looked very young and like me her fear registered on her face. I looked away not wanting the militant to notice that I was staring at the photos which would certainly have made him suspicious. Who are you going to see in Kirkuk? The guard was still questioning Nasir and had barely paid attention to me. My wife's family, Haji, Nasir said. For how long? My wife will stay for a week, but I will return today, he said, just as we had rehearsed it. Rehearsed it. He did not sound scared at all. I wondered if Nasir could see my photo hanging in the guard post from where he was sitting. I thought for sure if he could, he would make us turn back. Seeing my photo confirmed that they were actively looking for me, but Nasir just continued answering questions. The guard circled the car to my side, then motioned for me to roll down my window. I did so all the while feeling like I might faint from fear. I remembered Nasir's advice to stay calm and answer his questions as quietly and as briefly as possible. My Arabic was perfect and I had been speaking it from a young age, but I did not know if there was something in my accent or choice of words that would give me away as being from Sinjar, not Kirkuk. Iraq is a big country and you can usually tell where someone grew up based on the way they talk. I had no idea how someone from Kirkuk was supposed to sound. He leaned down and looked through the window at me. I was grateful that my niqab covered my face and I tried to control my eyes not to blink too much or too little and certainly under no circumstances to cry. Underneath my abaya, I was soaked in sweat and still shaking from fear, but the image of me in the guard's glasses was of a normal Muslim woman. I sat up and prepared to answer his questions. They were brief. Who are you? His voice was level. He sounded bored. I'm Nasir's wife, I said. Where are you going? Kirkuk. Why? My family is in Kirkuk, Haji. I spoke softly and looked down, hoping my fear would come across as modesty and my answers did not seem rehearsed. The guard straightened up and walked away. Finally, he asked the driver, where are you from? Mosul, the driver said, sounding as though he had answered this question a million times. Where do you work? Wherever there is a fear, the driver answered, chuckling. Then without another word, the guard handed our IDs back through the window and waved us through. We drove over a long bridge, none of us speaking. Beneath us, the Tigris River shimmered in the sun. Reeds and plants hugged the water. The closer they could get, the more likely they were to live. Away from the bank, the plants were less lucky. They were, sing- they were singed by the rocky summer sun and only a few, carefully watered by the people living there or catching some moisture from a rainfall, would sprout again in the spring. Once we were on the other side, the driver spoke up. You know, that bridge we just crossed is covered with IETs, he said, bombs planted by Daesh in case the Iraqis or the Americans try to retake Mosul. I hate driving over it. I feel 
like it could explode at any moment right i turned around to look both the bridge and the checkpoint were retreating in the distance we had made it past both of them alive but it could have gone very differently the islamic street militant at the checkpoint could have asked me more questions he could have heard something in my accent or noticed something in my demeanor that made him suspicious get out of the car i imagined him saying and i would have had no choice but to do what he asked following him into the guard booth where he would have commanded me to lift up my niqab showing him that i was the woman in the photo i thought of the bridge exploding while we were on it the ied shattering our car and killing all three of us in an instant i prayed that when the bridge did explode it would be full of islamic state militants I think it is more. Thank you for joining me. It is finished. Thank you.